This is the Author Archive podcast. I'm David Freeman, and this really is an interview from the archive. I can tell you exactly when it was recorded. It was on the 19th of February, 1992. I know that because my guest was Erin Pitsy, and during the course of the conversation, she declared that it was her birthday. I met Erin Pitsy uh, when I was working on Radio 4's Woman's Hour as a producer, and Erin Pitsy was known for her activism, and she'd set up the Women's Refuge in Chiswick in 1971. This was revolutionary. But by the 90s, she'd moved on. She'd been living in the Cayman Islands, but was having to relocate. Yeah, I had a landlady who put the price up $40,000 and said, or leave. So we had to leave with the dogs and the cats. And, and I read it, rang a friend called Peter Lavery, an editor friend of mine, and I said, where can I live in the world? I'm homeless again. And he said... Try living next to me. In Sa- in Sa- I'm, so I'm in San Giovanni d'Asso, home of the white truffle in Tuscany. <laughs> what do you look for in a place that will be home? Lovely people, good food, excellent wine, and a sybaritic way of life. And have you found it? Oh, f- definitely, definitely. Because I know you used to find it difficult to find books in the Cayman Islands. Presumably in Tuscany it's a little easier. Therefore, is it easier to write them? It's not that easy to find books because, of course, it's all Italian. Um, but but I, I, I'm regularly importune. Anybody passing who's English, I mug them and remove all <laughs> papers, books, anything that's English off them. What's your contentment ratio? 110. As good as that? Yeah, it's great. Do you but, under- With that sort of contentment, do you understand us, your fellow human beings, with any more clarity? Yeah, I think I do, and I and I and I think because I've come, so I'm 53 today. It's my birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you, love. Thank you. And I think you get to the stage where you become a sort of wiser woman. I mean, certainly not better behaved, but uh, a more of a, a compassionate understanding of of why people do these bloody awful things they do to each other. Let me quote to you from mm-hmm. your new book. Um, It's a woman speaking, and she says, I'm not all that convinced that Mr. Frustrated is the one with the problem at all. We women are the ones with the complicated needs. Right. You think that's so? Yeah, I think that's very sound. I think men are actually fairly uncomplicated. If you feed them and love them and take care of them, uh, they tend to just be very happy blobs and watch the telly and all the rest of it. But women, we've got a much wider dimension, partly because of our biology, you know. Uh, and I've often said with a man, as long as his territory's safe, he'll be all right. Now, a woman, if you threaten her children or her family, then she's lethal. Now, is this the sort of thing that you like to examine yes, in, it in, is. in the form of a novel? Yeah, I was, I was particularly interested in Morningstar, this, this, you know, the historical portrait of sex and power and money and why it has this terrible fascination for women who should really turn their back on it and walk away. Yes. Why do they not know better? Or is it that thing that intellectually you know better? Yeah, right. You know, if, if you're absolutely consumed with anger, you know intellectually what's going on, mm. yet you go on behaving like the caveman did before you. It doesn't yeah. actually help. Well, you know, do you, I mean, have you ever been addicted in a relationship? Like, if you know the relationship sucks, but you can't stay away from it. <laughs> Let me turn that around. Have you? Yep. I think probably I have too. Yeah, and after all this time of saying, it would never happen to me, sure enough, one day it happened, and for three blind years I was totally addicted. 
And it's very good for me because that gave me the ability to write Morningstar. I could see Nina trapped from the moment she saw Michael in that restaurant, the two of them. It was just like fusion. But is it biology? Because yeah, money, money and power, mm. those are quite good things for the father of your child to have, aren't they? Not if he's a twisted bastard. Now, but, ah, yes, but hang on a minute. Does the biology accept the likelihood he's a twisted bastard? I mean, if you are looking, surely, a woman who's looking to procreate with a man... Well, she a wasn't, darling. She, was just, she just got rid of her first husband. Yes, I, I know, but does the biology know that? No, probably not. The biologist looking, as you say, the sex and the power and the fathering. Yeah, the, the biggest bear in the clan kind of thing, huh? Yes, mm. yes, the big, the big powerful silverback. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Now, if that's so, isn't, uh, isn't this constant uh, opera, the relationship between the sexes, always going to keep on playing the same tune? Yeah, if we all live in our limbic brain and refuse to use our higher brains... Yeah? I mean, most people do live in their limbic brain. They eat, sleep and just, defecate. Just, just hang on a minute. For those who haven't got uh, a degree, uh, the limbic brain is the lower brain. The lower brain, yeah. 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 Uh, well, is it, is it possible to inform your limbic brain with your higher brain? Yeah. Does it work? Yes, it does. It does, because for me, the way I dealt with that addiction, knowing and being trained to understand addictions... I never consummated the relationship because I knew if I did, that would be the end of it. I'd be totally trapped. But Nina in Morningstar does, and that is where she's finished. If you, if you, mind mm. you, you've got to read it to the end, but, I mean, you can see the trap closing in on her. What started this off? Is it from your own soul? That oh, sure. I mean, everything I write is from my own soul. You know, I mean, I write thereof, you know, whereof I know. Otherwise, it wouldn't ring true, would it? No, but are they cautionary tales? Yeah. Hmm. So you would like other women, maybe, to read this and say, whoops, I yeah. must be careful of that. Yeah, the Heathcliff, stay away from the Heathcliff. How do you recognise him, though? I mean, uh, I mean, your your man is fairly obvious. Yeah. But most of us don't come across that sort of chap in everyday life, do we? Yeah, I did. I remember coming round. I just I was divorced, <laughs> and I went to Greece, and I walked round the corner, and there was Mavrances, all six foot two with gleaming yellow eyes, and he said, hello, madame, and I looked at him, and I thought... The answer to a six-foot-two beautiful psychopath is no. And so we became the very, very best of friends, which we are. You, you talked about this being your birthday, yeah. and you've a, you, you have reached an age of maturity. Oh, like ripe old cheese, darling. <laughs> but presumably, you see, you can't pass on easily the, the, this acquired wisdom to um, a younger woman, can you? Yeah, Each she reads my novels and writes to me. She says, I'm going to leave that bastard of a husband of mine. I've just read your novel. Do they really? Mm, somebody said the other day, a reporter said, good heavens, I've finished Morningstar. I couldn't put it down. Isn't Simon awful? And I realised he's just like my husband. <laughs> well, he is. He's terrible. I mean, I didn't like him at all. Nah, he's a real civil servant, isn't yes, he? Yes, ab absolutely. Terrible so. sexual habits, didn't he? N n yes, now, <laughs> I, I must ask you about this. A Stop bit dribbling. <laughs> it's a bit earlier in the day. It's a bit earlier in the day for this. It's never too but, early. Um, but um, your novels keep up. Um, a certain interest in in sex. Um, now, Keep up, huh? Yes, they do. Now, is this because uh, the publishers tell you, ah, oh, come on, Erin, this is what sells the books? No, or is no, it no, 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 my publishers keep saying, please, Erin, not quite so much. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've always been... I, th I just think it's a nice, raunchy thing, sex. It's good for you. It's, it's very slimming. It's much better than jogging. You just do it lying on your back. If you're lazy, oh, it's jolly good food. Food and sex and wine. What else is there? 
is it ultimately satisfying though? I mean, th- th- yes, okay, the sybaritic lifestyle, mm-hmm. but doesn't it l- leave you? I mean, it obviously does. It's not enough for you. You have to do something else that's creative. You have to produce novels right. because because the effect of doing that when you've finished at the end, presumably, I've never managed it, but it must be an all-time high. You have yeah, succeeded in creating fantastic. something. It's fantastic, and then you send it off to your editor. I've got a smashing editor called Patricia at Collins, and you wait anxiously while your baby's in her hands. And she said that two days ago, she said, "I." love it i really love this is swimming with dolphins this late the latest one and she loved morning star and uh and that's a real high yes. a real real high so when you say what is there but good food good sex and and the sun or whatever there is something else mm-hmm. because i don't know whether it's in the limbic brain or the higher brain but each of us in order to feel fully alive yeah. and fully accomplished has to do something else yeah i also paint you see i do a lot of painting I really enjoy that enormously. I'm terribly bad at it, but I love every moment of it. <laughs> you can just eat the colour off the canvas. It's great. So you are, in a sense, addicted to the pleasure of creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You said I've had two children, seven adopted kids and three grandchildren. Now, that isn't creation. Yes, and you also, I mean, in, in that part when you were lived in London and mm. you were involved with women who'd mm-hmm. been beaten or whatever, mm. that... When you look back at that, I mean, it does seem you could look at that as creative in some way. Oh, it is. I'm still very much involved. I'm, I'm helping Getting Refuge going in Italy. I'm working with 90 women judges. I work internationally in that field. And it's always going to be my, my primary love is going to always be women and kids and animals and men. They came last, Erin. Oh, well, they can look after themselves slightly better, bless their hearts. Really? Yeah. Um, one of your characters in the book said you don't like men very much. But do you? Oh, yes. Look, at, oh, I've got more men friends probably than I've got women friends. My white knights, I love them dearly. I cook for them and I take care of them and they're my good friends. When you look at violence, though, between men yeah, and, and women, women mm-hmm. and you say you're looking at it worldwide and you now live in Italy, is it culturally defined in some way? Is yeah. The, is the Italian attitude... Um, with its bravado and its machismo slightly different even from the English attitude. Yes, very much so, because the Italian women are very tough. They're very matriarchal. And uh, and their family life is not broken down, and it's run by women. Uh, it's very different on the island, because the violence there wasn't the bizarre, psychotic violence I see in America and England, where everything's broken down. It was simply cultural, where a man thought he could wallop his wife, and then he got thoroughly told off by the rest of us, because there's no privacy. We all knew if he touched a woman. Uh, so it's different, but there and there are differences, obviously, internationally. But uh, the worst of the crimes against children and women are certainly in the Western world, where we've just destroyed family life. We've let it go. Do you think that we have realised our loss, though, and are maybe making tentative well, steps I, to get it back? Yeah, because I wrote to Mr Major and said, you know, Margaret Thatcher said she wasn't interested in women's issues or battered women and children. What's your position? And I got a wonderful reply back. He's deeply, deeply concerned, he and his wife. And uh, England has just been re- recognised by United Nations as being one of the foremost countries to really seriously try and do something about it. So I'm very pleased about that. When you come back, then, to yeah. this country, having been away, do you find um, the the general way we are more to your taste? Do you think we are getting more civilised? Oh, yeah. The 90s is going to be a lovely, lovely 10 years. The young people are wonderful. And I flew in and I saw a red London bus and I sort of burst into tears because I can't come back because I've got a 20-year-old cat and I can't put her in quarantine. I love her too much. So I sit in my Tuscan forest waiting. <laughs> You're old soppy, aren't you? I know, I'm ever so soppy. I make my friend Jill cross. She says I'm a terrible romantic. She's quite right. May you long continue to be so. One final question. Yeah. Uh, this book's about this chap, Michael Morningstar. Uh, Who's going to play him in the film? 
Ah, Nick Nolte. That tells us another lot of things we need to know. Harper <laughs> Collins, publish it, and it's the latest from Erin Pitsy. Good to talk to you again. Okay. This is the Author Archive podcast. I'm David Freeman, and I was talking to Erin Pitsy.